Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's our goal here every single day. Our quote for today, it's never too early or too late to work towards being the healthiest you. That, my friends, is from Anonymous. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> I was so sad I didn't get a name, but it's a good good quote, you know? It's true. It's true because we always feel so guilty, whether it's we haven't saved enough money or haven't even started saving money or if we had you know, gotten far enough in our career, whatever it is, it's never too late people. So, uh, I really enjoy that quote from anonymous <laughs> anyway. Uh, welcome back Hill squad. Uh, thank you for being with us as always coming to you from, uh, the East coast. The girls are on the West coast is Winchenza with you. Of course she's asleep in my lap, so you can't see her, but she's just being a good girl. If you guys are new to the show, welcome. Kelsey has my little poodle, Vincenza, Winnie, on her lap through every show. And the two of them are soul sisters and best friends. And her, Pooja, and Kelsey are on their own squad every single day. Really I are. miss actually my morning routine, getting to pray with her and do my, doing my grateful list and being grateful for the squad because now I'm out of my routine here. Winchance. I'm not grateful for the squad every morning. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, the squad. Yeah. No, Winnie is like really Winnie made the squad. You know, it was like Pooja and I were chugging along and doing well. And then Winnie joined and it was like, wow, this is squad goals. Well, it's not a squad without three people. So oh, yeah, good point. we were a duo, but, we were now, a duo, we're a but now we're a squad. Exciting. Oh my. <laughs> I love it. Well, friends, today we're going to be chatting with Johnny Bowden, uh, aka the nutrition mythbuster about the most powerful health strategies to increase your energy. We all need more energy, longevity, and improve your metabolism. And hopefully we'll get to uh, lowering your inflammation as well. Um, very excited to talk about how to get more energy. And I'll tell you, these early mornings, and I know Kelsey, you might have gotten my email this morning at five something <laughs> <I did. laughs> uh, in the morning, which is like two something your time. 
but um, I do feel like these early mornings, setting your kind of circadian rhythm to the early morning rise, the early to bed, uh, definitely helps increase your energy, but also getting the right sunlight is supposedly really good for your energy levels as well. And I see a difference in myself already. So as I was reading a little bit uh, of, of things this morning, because I will do some research while I'm home, sitting outside in my uh, nude bathing suit, getting as much of the good uv actually not uv i forget what kind of light it is technically at sunrise but anyway as i'm getting all that sunlight which isn't really sunlight technically at at sunrise because the sun's so high up in the trees it takes a minute for it to come down but um or that doesn't make any sense because the sun is rising from down, but for some reason, wherever I am must be a higher <laughs> elevation <laughs> and the sun is at the tip of the trees and then eventually it comes down. So none of that makes sense, but it's the truth. We're going I have with pictures it. to prove it. <laughs> um, but I was seeing how um, all of these things are good for your gut as well. So that's why I sent it to you, Kelsey. Did you get to look at it at all? No, I didn't. I was looking at the, I was looking at your other, look at this, look into this person email. So I'm going to look, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. So sense, for though. anybody who is, uh, is dealing with celiac disease, we're really hustling to find an expert in that arena. Cause a friend of mine is really suffering with it. And I said, okay, well, that's what we do every single day. We're going to find a solution. And that's that. And that's so that. we're working on it. I'm excited too. I think that like, it, it was, it's cool. I like getting back into the, what am I trying to say? I feel like for a minute, you know how like the show will always go in waves, right? Like with your mom, it was like, we were really on like on the health stuff. Recently, we've really, really been on our like kind of more self-helpy sort of. And now I'm like getting, we're getting back into the health again. It's fun. I like going in the waves of it all, but getting to research on the celiac, I was like, God, this is fascinating. It really is like, there's so much, and there's so much more to still learn. So I'm excited. Yeah, I think it's going to be really helpful to people. And listen, I think one of the things that helped me with my mom is is hope, right? Um, this friend that was corresponding with me yesterday was really feeling hopeless. And when you get a disease and they say, you're going to live with it for the rest of your life, that's a really heavy thing to live with, right? Um And so I think that when you carry hope and you believe that there's an answer out there, and I think there's an answer to everything out there. I mean, you know, you're seeing people who are paraplegic walk with stem cells and different kinds of treatments. Now, sometimes things may not necessarily happen on our timeline um, or in our budgets at the moment, but eventually things come to the mainstream. And so it's, it's really up to us to, to try to keep a hope mindset, I think, because I think that hope carries you through the tough times. I know it did with my mom um, and my mom got five years and most people get six to 12 months. And even somebody I was speaking to recently, the top cell biologist in the world said, you guys got five years. He said, he was a glioblastoma expert. He goes, you know what people get? And I said, yeah, I think carrying hope was a really big thing and then trying different things and not really being 
too afraid, being methodical about yeah. uh, infusing different things in. So I do believe our bodies are resilient and that they have a natural ability to heal. We just have to do the right things to it and for it to kind of foster that. And that's hard in this day and age, right? And in this world that we live in, it's hard. Sometimes you might have to move physically from your environment or, um, or really do kind of a lot. And it takes practice, you know, me quitting sugar two years ago was an act for myself to prepare myself so that I would never have to have a doctor tell me I couldn't eat sugar anymore. Right. And it was a preventative measure. And so I think it's like, you know, one of the things that uh, Kevin has always said, as we had started succeeding, he said, I never want to live where I am financially, because if something was to happen, I never want to feel that difference. I don't know if I'm um, explaining this properly, but he's always going to shop at Target. He's always going to wear his Levi's. He's always going to be obsessed with his old vans and pickup trucks. (laughs) If he allowed himself to go all those steps higher, he knows that there's a possibility he would be really sad without those things. Now, I think there's also a weird thing with that too, right? Because you shouldn't have to live deprived in a sense for the maybe, right? but he really likes his lifestyle like that. And so for me, with health, I think it's the same thing. It's making better choices now so that you can help yourself for the later. So if something happens, it's not a big lifestyle change, right? If you're already eating healthy and something happens, your lifestyle change isn't going to be that bad. You were already a pretty healthy eater, weren't you, Kelsey? Oh yeah. Yeah. So like you're saying, it was easier to, yeah, have to do what I had to do. So it makes it easier. And I think with COVID and all of the things that are going on in our environment and what we're putting in the soil and what's in the air and all of that, we're all unfortunately headed for some issue, whether we are doing everything right or not. There are all of these different factors that are now a part of our reality So the earlier we can start making these incremental changes. Now, I know that it's not easy to go 360, and I would never suggest that in anything, but just start making better choices with what you're eating um, so that if something was to happen, you know, and, and, you know, some kind of illness or something, it won't be as hard later. It's a tough thing to do, right? It's very anticipatory, but I do believe it makes things a lot easier. So it's great advice, you know, when I think just looking at it, we talked about this the other week, Maria, just looking at it as like, it's what you're saying right now, but you're preparing, you're preparing yourself, right? It's like, it's, it's not bad. It's all, I think sometimes, and I got into this place where I was like, this sucks that I have to do this. And it's like, how about no, look at it in a positive, like you're helping yourself heal or you're helping your future. You like take less of a burden or less of a hit, you know? So I think it's, it's flipping Mm -hmm. that to the positive too, right? It's like, something's going to happen. So let's, let's help ourselves. I don't know, take less of a hit. Well, I think that's exactly what it is, right? Like we hard now, easy later. So no matter what, 
if you want to have a healthy long life and you don't want to be going to the doctors and be taking all these pills and stuff, you have to start making these choices anyway, because as the body ages, it gets a lot more challenging to keep all systems go. Uh, so I think it's something that no matter what, and again, with all of the things that I just mentioned earlier, we have to start making these choices and it does suck, I guess, in the conventional standards. Like I see poor Kevin with his gut issues now, um, is so suffering with this diet, but his diet before was pizza and bagels and cereal with cream in it and all these, you know, very intense things. So it's a massive change for him. Yeah. And he's really having a hard time with it. He's doing it and God bless him. I'm so proud of him, but it is a lot. And you know, it's, we can make things a little easier on ourselves if we start to make these better choices. And yeah, is it hard? We go to restaurants. We can't have the fun we used to have. We can't order all the appetizers and all these things. Like what's really becoming more fun. And I'm replacing that fun with is cooking and going to the garden and getting fresh ingredients whether it's a co-op garden in your, you know, city or your own garden, whatever it is, or the garden at Whole Foods, start to make that the fun and and realize that <laughs> this is what I start to do. I look at everybody out there that is eating all that stuff, and I'm like, okay, well, I got to have my fun too, <laughs> and here I am now with all these issues. So <laughs> yeah, at some point, their their fun journey is probably going to end too. And by the way their fun journey may have already ended and they're just not, not caring or not wanting to make those changes. Maybe they don't have the willpower to make those changes. And it's going to make things worse. We don't know everybody else's story. So I think we have to stop that kind of that mindset of, Oh my God, my life sucks because I can't eat what I really want to eat mm -hmm. because really what we really want to eat is hurting our bodies, whether we have an illness or not, none of it is good for us. And so let's switch out these mindsets and say, well, how can I have fun with the healthier options? How can I be creative with the healthier options? And that's what I'm starting to do. I love it. And I'm sure I'm actually very curious. I want you to ask Johnny and say this to him because I'm sure he has some good hacks because this is what, you know, he, he calls himself the nutrition myth buster, which I think mm -hmm. is so fun, but I'm sure he has some fun things or some. I don't know, some, some tools or tips that you can share with us about that. Cause I think that's key. And what you're saying is like, yeah, you have to have a positive mindset about it and yeah, make, make it fun. It can be fun. So I yeah. love that. You just also have to find your people, I think, because when you're always the odd man out, if you're at the restaurant and everyone's having cocktails and everyone's having appetizers and everyone's having dessert, it really requires a lot of willpower to be the one that isn't. Uh, but what I've always said, and when I was focusing on losing weight, I said, get addicted to the high of saying no, because everyone looks at you like you're the superhuman unicorn that can say no to dessert. The power that you have when you can do that is so much more than eating the dessert in that moment. So I just know from experience, because I've said no to dessert for over two years now. <laughs> Actually, it's going on three years in October. That's crazy. Uh, people look at me like I am like someone out of Marvel. <laughs> Wait, we've known each other for that long. That's kind of what I was just thinking. I'm like, whoa, mm -hmm. crazy. 
someone yeah. out of Marvel. You're like, that's yeah, why I'm, I am Superwoman. <laughs> I am Superwoman. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, let's get to Johnny Bowden. He's a functional nutritionist, best-selling author, and a mission to help people live their best lives. Being a board-certified nutritionist with a master's degree in psychology and 26 years of experience with working uh, with clients on making significant changes in all areas of their lives. He talks about major issues impacting health and weight from diet and nutrition to stress, energy, sleep, and so much more. We're going to dive into it all today with Johnny. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll chat with Johnny. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. All right. Well, we will start now. Johnny, thank you for being Oh, my pleasure. It's such a pleasure to meet you. And and Daniel spoke about you. And I've known Daniel 22 years. Dr. Eamon is a favorite of the Heal Squad for sure. Isn't he the greatest? I've interviewed him on on my series three times, I think. And he's interviewed me on his podcast at least once, if not twice. So yeah, I know him well and I love him. So is that uh, a New York University? uh, It is. Behind (laughs) you. Is that where you studied? I I did my undergraduate at at NYU. I did master's at the New School for Social Research. And then I did a PhD in holistic nutrition at Clayton. And then I got board certified by the American College of Nutrition. Wow. So Johnny, tell me about the nutritional myth busting portion of your life. You talk about um, all the fad diets, all the things people are trying to sell us. I love this. Uh, The nutrition myth busting part is still going on to this day. I I don't spend a day where somebody doesn't ask me a question that is based on really bad previous information. And I guess we could start the biggest biggest, most impactful myth that we've all been living under is the notion that a low-fat diet is healthy, useful, life-extending, or preventative to chronic disease. Uh, I think that was probably the biggest and worst um, nutrition myth we had ever been told as as a country, as a group, and we're still feeling the ramifications of it. And I, I guess that's that that kind of if you start with that, it really has tentacles out into all kinds of areas um, from what foods we avoid to what foods we try to include to what we look for on labels. Because if you believe that fat is the enemy, you got a whole different perspective on food than the perspective on food that really serves us. So how are we supposed to be looking at it? When I'm asked to sum up 
32 years of work as a nutritionist and health educator into one piece of advice. When I'm, when I'm asked at the end of a podcast or lecture, well, what's the take home? The one that I always come back to because I think it is the best advice I ever got and the best advice I ever gave, and it encapsulates almost everything that we're probably going to cover, and it's this. Eat real food. And by real food, I mean not kale chips. I mean what your grandmother, actually what your great-great-grandmother would recognize as food. When they did the research on the blue zones, which are the places across the, uh, the world, the globe, where they have the most long-lived, most long-lived and healthy uh, people, the, the greatest population of centenarians and, and things like that. What they found was if they would take some of the grocery store foods that we encounter on a daily basis, like Lunchables and box this in a box and show it to these people, they didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. They said, what do you do with that? What is that? That's what you don't want. So it's really clear if you're not sure what real food is and what real food isn't, if you're in doubt about it, it ain't real. Err on the side of it's not. Well, we real food is just something that doesn't come in a package. Well, I I, I used to I used to right? I used to call it the Johnny Bowden four food groups. Food you could hunt, fish, gather, or pluck. And if it if it grows on a tree, if you can pick it up off the ground, if you can hunt it or fish it, it's probably good for you. And if we could start with that, the rest is all details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I also am curious. Oh man, nutritionists, it's so cute when you go to like your doctor and they say, okay, you need to meet a nutritionist. I remember going to a nutritionist once and she definitely did not look healthy either. Uh, First of all, I am starting to see how many people in the medical profession look unhealthy. And I see also after talking to them, the insane hours they make them work that they can't, they can't function properly. They all look like they're about to fall over and maybe die. And I'm like, Oh, wow, this is not good. Anyway, uh, I went to a nutritionist and she pulled out the food pyramid. (laughs) Well, you want to spend an hour on that? that Uh, Honestly, on that, that, that Johnny, I am so horrified that a major, and I mean, a major institution pulled out a food pyramid. I had a major nutritionist, my dad's type one diabetic, pull out, well, just eat the easy stuff that, you know, you can read the carbs on the back, like the Lunchables and all of that. And I said, hold up, (laughs) you're going to kill him faster with those choices than he ever would trying to carb properly. Take a look at hospital food. I know. I mean, there's your answer. Look, um, they still I, I, they I, still serve the same stuff from 50 years ago. Yeah, white potatoes and the, Look, the fruit, um, the fruit that's in the syrup, big jars of that. I, it's unbelievable to me. So I used to have, I, I used to tell people, and I still do. I've said it in a number of books that asking your doctor about nutrition information is like going to your accountant for golf lessons. Now your accountant, your accountant might be a good golfer. He didn't learn it in accounting. He or she didn't learn it in accounting school. They learned it 
as a golfer, right? They might coincidentally know something about golfer, but why would you go to an accountant if you want to be a better golfer? Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, how much nutrition does get do they get covered when they're in medical school? The amount is, is there's there are different figures depending on what what schools you look at, but the generally accepted figure is that only the twenty five percent tops of medical schools offer even one course in nutrition. And people who have taken that course tell me it's about at the level of, of high school home economics. That's the nutrition education your doctor has. Now, I will point this out. I go to a lot of nutrition conferences, like the American College of Nutrition, which I'm a member of. Most of those people are MDs. And you see the same couple hundred doctors at every one of these nutritional conferences. They are nutritionists, but there are over 800,000 physicians in America. And there are about 200 of them, 300 of them who are certified in nutrition, who are both nutritionists and MDs, or who have bothered to study nutrition beyond what they get in medical school, which is basically zero. Well, they don't have time because they're too busy working crazy long hours trying to, to do whatever they have to do in their profession. They don't have time to even see their own families. I'm watching them. They all look like they're going to tip over. It's terrible. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you something else. And this is, we probably don't want to go too deeply into this, but it, it's been documented in book after book after book. What's happened in America is that science has been taken over by industry. So everybody who funds studies, basically the pharmaceutical companies, it's people who have a vested interest in the outcome of those studies so they can sell products. Now, I've been in the natural products industry for 30 years, and I can tell you we're not much better. We do the same thing. We look for science. If we're going to sell a green tea supplement, we're going to look for the science that says there's something good in it. Now, it happens to be true in the case of green tea supplements, but what I'm saying is what most pharmaceutical companies do is they use science to cover their butts. It is not really investigative science where they're trying to get to the truth of something or they're trying to get to the answer. What they're trying to do is sell products. Uh, and, and we could go into this. I have references on this. It's really interesting stuff. But um, that's, that's at the heart of some of my skepticism about the research on, for example, statin drugs for cholesterol. That's a specialty of mine because I wrote a book about the great cholesterol myth. And, and we talk a lot about the, the real research behind statin drugs and the perceived research behind statin drugs. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus, having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully, our jobs and everything in between, but... It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Um, Will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, basically statin drugs were developed to, they lower cholesterol. They do a very good job of it. They just don't save lives. 
So if you are constantly focusing on the endpoint of, did your LDL cholesterol go down? Yeah, they go down, but there are no lives saved. And in most of the studies, what you see, if there's a control group uh, that doesn't get the statin and and one group that does, the statin group may in fact have a couple of heart attacks less but the the other but they also have a couple of deaths more from cancer or diabetes so in terms of mortality there really aren't any lives saved by statin drugs yet there are doctors in america who think we should put them in the water supply i'm not anti statin i am anti the overprescription and overselling of a drug that was never intended for most of the population and that the vast majority of the population does not benefit from so if it lowers your cholesterol, why doesn't it have an effect on your mortality? That's, that's, that's what the 250 pages of the great cholesterol myth take on. Why doesn't it? Maybe because cholesterol doesn't cause heart disease, or at least not in the way that we know it. LDL, here's another shocker that, that a lot of people will find difficult to process. LDL is an obsolete measurement. It was developed in the 60s when we thought that there were two types of cholesterol, good kind and bad kind. Anyone, I think it should be apparent that that's a kind of idiotic way to look at any metric. That's like kind of classifying people into short and tall and and thinking that you got a diagnosis from that. So now we have something called nuclear magnetic resonance and we can look into the cell and we can look deeper and we know, oh, there's about 13 different kinds of cholesterol, not just good and bad. Good and bad are misnomers and they're simplistic and they don't accurately describe what's going on. If we were to look at cholesterol the correct way with tests that have been now out for over 50 15 years, the doctors are like, what's that? Uh, if we were to do that correctly, we'd get some good predictive information, but not with the LDL-HDL test, with what's called the particle test that looks at lipoproteins, not at their cargo. So one of the biggest misunderstandings about cholesterol is cholesterol is the cargo, the lipoprotein, LDL, the second L in that LDL, low density lipoprotein, HDL high density lipoprotein. The lipoprotein is the boat. The cholesterol is like the cargo in the boat. It's like what's in the cooler of the picnic uh, uh, basket that they bring along. And what we're finding out is that what gets caught in the arteries are lipoproteins. What gets injured and inflamed are lipoproteins. And we need to look at those. If If you're manning a marina, in like Marina Del Rey, and you're the person in charge of the marina, you want to prevent boat accidents. Do you care how many Coca-Colas are in the in the compartment of the yacht? Or do you want to know how many boats are there in the water? Because the yeah. more boats there are in the water, the more likely one of them is going to bump up against another. Any bouncer knows that. The more people in the nightclub, more likelihood somebody's going to spill a drink and piss somebody off and start a fist fight. It's just the law of numbers. So the new cholesterol tests, which your doctors are ignoring, look at the number of lipoproteins in your bloodstream, and that will tell you something. LDL, nothing. So perhaps you could have a low number there and a high number in the cargo inside the ship, and you don't need the statin. That is precisely. It it couldn't be put better. You grasp this in one second flat. You can have a low LDL number, meaning the boats aren't carrying that much LDL. Your doctor will say you're fine, except you've got 8 million boats. You're not fine at all. 
And that situation is what's called discordance. The two numbers don't agree with each other. And when the two numbers don't agree with each other, which one do you think is the correct one? It's always the number of lipoproteins. Wow. So I remember when my dad got COVID, we had been dealing with some liver issues and I didn't know how we were going to fix the liver issue. And I was racking my brain and racking my brain. And then he got COVID and they took him off the statin and poof, the liver issues went away. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I'm shocked. I was like, wait, what? I'm so, so I wonder, is there another way to attack the issue if you do see that the lipoproteins is a problem? Well, I'll give you, I'm a great example of this. Um, so I, for years, you know, like everybody else, got my cholesterol tested, my HDL, LDL, and they were great numbers. My LDL was so low. It was like, like um, I mean, doctors would go, boy, you're going to live forever. This is fantastic. I don't know, 10 years ago, <laughs> I, I sort of, wait a minute, this, these tests are obsolete. I went and got the correct test. And I was a perfect example of the case you just described. My LDL, just fine. My particles were off the chart. I had like 2,200, which is a very high, high risk. And my LDL was just fine. I was mm -hmm. one of the many people who would be underdiagnosed. I would like my regular doctor say, oh, your LDL is fine. But again, as you say, that's the cargo. We want to know how many boats are in the water. And I had too many boats. So I was, I talked to all of my functional medicine experts. I had three different groups of cardiologists that I consult with. And I, you know, I'm in different clinicians groups. And I, what do you guys think? What should I do? You know, well, I should, maybe I should go on a statin drug. And we, we discussed lots of different options. I ultimately um, made some adjustments to my diet. I went to a cardiologist at Scripps who kind of follows the same path as I do and like knows, knows what I, you know, believes the way I do about diet and, and supplements. And I told him I'd prefer not to go on a statin. He said, no problem. And he gave me a, about six different supplements to add to my regimen, which is already fairly extensive. He suggested going higher on the fat and lower on the carbs and almost to zero on the sugar. I did all of those and I, without a statin. And I brought my particles down to 1600 from 22. Uh, and that is, that's a very good movement. It's still not perfect. It's not in the absolute no risk zone, but it's a significant reduction. So it can Question, be done, why would can you, be done without statins. Why would you consider the statin when you said that the statin doesn't actually change the mortality rate? Because the only time I would consider a statin is, is if in fact the real cholesterol test showed a significant um, elevation of stuff you don't want elevated as mine did. And there were some people in my circle of cardiologists who were a little more conservative. And they said, you know, we're not great fans of statins, but in your case, I think a low dose might work. And there were others who said, look at your age, look at the risk factors you have, look at your other numbers, and then make a decision if there's any real advantage. And I tended to agree with that group. I thought that I, huh. on balance, there was no need to to attempt a statin drug. I don't think they're wrong for everybody. I think they're wrong for most of the people that prescribe. Yeah. What were, is... You have to remember that statins were developed, the entire population they were tested on were middle-aged men with previous heart attacks. 
you want to talk about <laughs> men and women and, and testing, there were like no statin drug trials on women. They now include them. But this entire thing was investigated on middle-aged men with previous heart attacks. Now they give them to 13-year-old kids. Now they give them to 75-year-old men. They give them to people who've never had a heart attack. They recommend them to people who've never had a heart attack for primary prevention. It doesn't work for primary prevention. Mm -hmm. So it's it's the over-marketing of the statins that really pisses me off. It's not their existence. They have a role. They just they don't need to be a $31 billion industry that the entire world thinks we should be on those drugs. Yeah. But are there studies that show in your case that the statin does work? Because okay. what you had said earlier is the statins don't work. They don't make any changes. They lower the LDL and, and the HDL, but they don't overall they, change. They have the a couple result. of, Maria, they have a couple of other things that they do that are good. Okay. They they slightly lower inflammation. And since inflammation is an epidemic in this country and we're all suffering from it and it can kill you, any lowering of inflammation is good. And they also thin the blood just slightly. The problem I have is that you can do both of those things with fish oil with zero side effects. Mm. You can thin the blood a little bit and you can work anti-inflammatory magic with simple fish oil. We don't need the statin for those two things. And as far as the lowering of the LDL, I think that's the least important thing they do. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past. But as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. What is the actual test name for the the ship? <laughs> they are called the they are collectively called the particle test because in science particles are LDLs, so it's it's the LDL test. They are also called advanced lipid profiling. Lipids means fats, 
So the, the cardio IQ, some of the labs call it cardio IQ, advanced cardio profiling. It's, they're all the lipid particle test. And if you looked up on Google particle test, cholesterol particle test, you'd be reading all day. There's a version from Quest Labs. There's a version from uh, uh, LabCorp. But let me go back to the bigger picture for just a minute so we don't get too in the weeds on the statin drugs. If you think about the dietary recommendations we've all been given to not eat animal products and especially to not consume saturated fat, why were we told that? If you think about it for even a minute, it always comes down to, oh, you can't eat that stuff because it raises your LDL. But what if LDL isn't the cause of, of, of heart disease? What happens to those recommendations? And that's the biggest nutrition myth busting that I do because there are people who are avoiding saturated fat, healthy saturated fats of which there are many, avoiding in some cases all kinds of fats because they think it's going to clog their arteries and give them a heart attack meanwhile consuming the very foods that are in fact making them sick tired depressed and dying earlier so what um <laughs> what is your food pyramid is it just the real food that's it just eat Pretty much, pretty much. I've experimented with everything from keto to very low carb to, I do a lot of intermittent fasting. I think that's an amazing intervention that, that everyone should avail themselves of that can benefit almost everybody. Um, but some people I, I, say it's bad though. I've, I've heard so many conflicting things on it. Some people say the world is flat. This is true. What about for women though? I've heard intermittent fast, fasting isn't as great for women with hormones there, and everything. Definitely are distinctions in terms of how people respond to different kinds of fasting schedules. Hormones absolutely make a difference in terms of when you should fast and how successful you'll be at it. Uh, I'm a big believer in biochemical individuality. What works for you is not going to work for me and vice versa. And what works for me at 75 is not necessarily what worked for me at 25. So we are very, very individual creatures who respond very individually. That said, giving your digestive system a rest, allowing blood sugar and insulin to return to normal instead of constantly driving them up by eating every two hours like we were told to in the 80s and 90s, and giving that gut a little time to heal from inflammation by just giving it a little bit of a rest, a few hours a day, just, you know, making the window in which you eat a little bit shorter than 24 hours. That's usually beneficial for the vast majority of people, including mm -hmm. women. And Jason Fung, who I don't know if you've ever had on the show, he's kind of the guru of intermittent fasting. He's a nephrologist. Um, he has a huge community of people, mostly female who who uh, work with him on, on different fasting schedules and his results are amazing. Reverses diabetes. What type? Two, two, two. Wow. Two and is reversible. One is treatable. Two is reversible. Yeah. Do you like berberine for type two? Yes. I know not just for type two. I take berberine. Berberine is actually one of the six supplements that cardiologist gave me. Berberine is terrific supplement. It helps lower blood sugar, but it does a little bit more than that. It's almost like a over-the-counter version of metformin, which is, in my opinion, an anti-aging drug. It's given for blood sugar, but it does a lot of other things as well. What are the other things it does? I'm curious. Oh, isn't it, it helps. Okay, well, then let's, I'll tell you what it does, but I have to tell you first how important what it does is. 
We have an epidemic, a pandemic, a global pandemic of a metabolic condition called insulin resistance. In, this has been my message, my passion message. It's my legacy message. It's what I want to scream from the rooftops. Insulin resistance underlines every chronic disease. Let's go through them. High blood pressure, prediabetes, obesity, heart disease, Alzheimer's. When COVID was really exploding in March 2020, and I started looking at it, wait a minute, all of these pre-morbidities for COVID, they're all related to insulin resistance. Well, there's, except for, I don't know about lung and liver and kidney, but I mean, definitely hypertension and pre-diabetes and diabetes and obesity and heart disease, without a doubt. I did about a morning's worth of research on the National Institute of Health Library, pubmed.gov, and found that there's a statistical significant relationship also between insulin resistance and lung disease, uh, kidney disease, and liver disease. It literally underlies every chronic disease we know of. And insulin resistance can be treated, reversed, or prevented with diet, fasting, and lifestyle. And what it is, is it exactly? And, and going back to berberine, berberine helps with insulin resistance. So what is insulin resistance? It's the inability of the body to process the amount of carbs we eat. That's the nutshell. That's the way. So I, isn't that diabetes technically? It, it, insulin resistance is very much diabetes. It's de definitely you. I believe that there are some outlier cases that they may have found where somebody actually has diabetes and doesn't have insulin resistance. So it, I guess it's possible, but in ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the cases, insulin resistance is diabetes. It's actually called insulin resistance syndrome or prediabetes is insulin resistance syndrome. So what happens basically is when you have a healthy metabolism, this is for everybody, when you have a healthy metabolism, you eat food and your blood sugar goes up a little bit. Now, what you eat, how much you eat, what type of food you eat affects how much the sugar goes up, but it pretty much goes up with just about everything you eat a little bit. And what happens then is the pancreas gets a signal, uh-oh, blood sugar just went up and that's not a good condition. We don't want high blood sugar. It's, it's damaging to our circulatory system and to our organs and all that. So the, in our, the body's infinite wisdom, the pancreas goes, just notice the sugar going up. Hey, insulin, get busy, get into the bloodstream and sherpa that sugar out of the bloodstream and into the muscle cells where it can be used for energy. It's a wonderful system. So here comes insulin, a little squirt of insulin, grabs that sugar, rounds it up, gives it to the muscle cells. The muscle cells are happy to use it because this is an active person we're talking about in an ideal world, right? And then your blood sugar goes down a little, you come home, you eat dinner, everything is right with the world. That's how our metabolism is supposed to work. It doesn't. 88% of us, 88% of us, and this is in the literature, it's easily verifiable, have a condition called insulin resistance. And here's what happens in that. 88% of us? Go Google it while we're on the air. Google the headline, 12% of Americans metabolically healthy. Wait, so does that mean 88% of Americans are diabetic? It means that 88% of us have some degree, even if it's a little bit, a pre-diabetes. Wow. Well, you know, I had done a whole story on the Today Show. I did a whole week when I was hosting the Today Show on diabetes. At that time, we were talking about statistics about 40 million people had diabetes. 20 were walking around without knowing it. Most of them, now, yeah, at least. Now it's 30. like 90. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that was just like 12 years ago. Yeah. Well, the food supply is kind of designed to produce that. So what, let me explain what happens with insulin resistance. So I told you how a regular metabolism is supposed to work in an ideal world with the active person. Let's fast forward to most of us. You wake up in the morning, you're stressed, your stress hormones are through the roof, that raises blood sugar. You don't have time to eat, so you go to Starbucks for a, a dente whatever with 9,000 calories and a low-fat blueberry muffin with another 1,100 calories of sugar. Your blood sugar is on the ceiling. The pancreas is going cold blue, cold blue. It's sending out all this insulin. Here's the problem. Insulin starts wrapping up the sugar and taking it to the muscle cells, and the muscle cells go, wait a minute, what do I need this for? This guy is going to sit around in the office all day with a computer. When he gets home, he's going to be sitting at the clicker. He's not, he doesn't, he's not exercising. We don't need the sugar. Go away. We're done. We don't need it. So insulin is going, where do I take that? Where do I take that sugar? Oh, I know the fat cells. They'll eat anything. And they will. And so insulin takes that sugar load into the fat cells, keeping your blood sugar from quite going into the diabetic range. It's able to do that by getting you fatter and fatter and fatter. Ultimately. The fat cells say, we're done too. We don't want it. Now you got high blood sugar and high insulin. There is your diagnosis of diabetes. How does it work though when you're skinny? Because there, there are skinny, there are skinny people <laughs> with insulin resistance. I'll never forget the editor-in-chief of bodybuilding magazine, six foot six, Jeff O'Connell. Um, six foot six, what they used to call a long drink of water, not an ounce of body fat <laughs> on them, straight up and down, right? type two diabetes, you wrote a book about it called Sugar Blues. Um, it does happen, but it's much rarer. It's much rarer, but it does happen. You can be insulin resistant and you can be metabolically unhealthy and weight wise, you're a healthy weight, but meta metabolically not. So yeah. Much. But like, what would you do? Right. For example, the same I've thing been... you do if you're fat and insulin resistant, exact same thing you do. It responds to the same diet. But if your diet is already good. Well, I'm not sure his diet was as good as we, you know, he was thin. But apparently he was eating. So too maybe much he was able. His... Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you take advantage when you have a good me metabolism, technically. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. But except that what he found out is he really didn't. He had a good metabolism to maintain weight, but he didn't have a good metabolism to maintain health. Because what happens with insulin resistance is that eventually um, that high level of sugar and insulin leads to tons of inflammation. And now you get inflammation in the gut. Now you have leaky gut. Now you can get autoimmune disease. I mean, it is a cascade of bad stuff. And it can be prevented or treated or even reversed 
with diet and exercise. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. It ain't about statin drugs. It's about not mm-hmm. eating so much sugar and starch. We were not adapted to that level of input of high carbohydrate, processed carbohydrate diets. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, speaking of uh, autoimmune conditions, um, are those generally reversible as well? Because if type two is an autoimmune condition, that's reversible. Um, type, you don't type hear, one is an auto. No, type two is type one is the auto. Yeah. You're right. Right. Um, are are the Hashimoto's and um, the pernicious anemias and all of those are those reversible? Uh, in many cases, yes. As far as Hashimoto's goes, I will give you a name: Isabella Wentz. She's known as the thyroid pharmacist. We need her, Kelsey. You need her. (laughs) She is the final word, in my opinion, on Hashimoto. She wrote a book on it. It was a New York Times bestseller. She has it it herself, and she's done a wonderful job of healing herself and having a beautiful baby and doing all of these things you're not supposed to be able to do with it. Um, I, I rely very heavily on her expertise on this. So I do think it's reversible. I do think it's certainly stallable. Um, And the thing about autoimmune diseases is that they are triggered by so many things outside of food and and the usual suspects. They're triggered by stress. They're Mm -hmm. triggered by uh, not having a, a, a healthy parasympathetic nervous system that knows how to relax and power down. They're triggered by constantly being on the go. They're triggered by environmental toxins. They're triggered by trauma. So a real approach to autoimmune disease is a very holistic, very functional medicine approach where you look at the whole patient, not just a symptom. Uh, And that's with with Hashimoto's, for example, and Isabella once is the first person who educated me to this. We think it's a thyroid disease. It's an autoimmune disease that happens to attack, in which the immune system happens to attack the thyroid. That's different than a thyroid disease. That's why Hashimoto's doesn't respond to just thyroid medication. You got to do stress reduction. You have to heal the gut. You have to do better sleep. You have to do all the stressors that contribute. You can't just give medicine for that. It's, it's, It's what we call a functional medicine approach. Look at the whole person and look at how it all hangs together. It's not just about a symptom. So that's fascinating because I feel like if I ask you this question, I'm probably already knowing the answer, but do women have more of the Hashimoto's? Yes. And that's, yeah. a, that's a statistic that, uh, you know, it, I'm not sure. I feel like you're it. literally just talking to all of us women where, you know, I mean, I've got my autoimmune issues as well. And, and I think it is so on the money. I've never heard someone talk about trauma, oh but the stress, the trauma, the environmental factors I've been telling, actually, even just before we started, I was telling everybody, we have to start making better choices with our food because there's so much out of our control now that it's not just the food. So it's, it's the air, it's what's in the soil. It's what's being injected into the animals. It's what being put on the food. So we've got, we're getting it from all areas and we're all at some point going to have to deal with something, unfortunately, and inevitably because of the greed in this world. Um, so we have to start making better choices. So when it does hit, it's not as difficult of a lifestyle change for us. Yeah. 
Yeah, well said, well said. So I think for all of the ladies listening um, in this heel squad, uh, he's talking to all of us, the stress, the traumas, those are the things that we talk about every day. How do we de-stress? How do we address our traumas? Um, not just shove them under the bed <laughs> because they're hurting us in so many more ways than one, but I never tied it to autoimmune conditions. I'm really oh, grateful that we talked about that. Yes. And, and I'll tell you in our book, the great cholesterol myth, we devote one third of the book to this stuff. We, the first thing we talk about food, we talk about the misnomers about saturated fat and how much cholesterol really matters in heart disease and the way it matters. We talk about all that stuff and exercise. The third of the book is on what you're talking about. Relaxation, who the people you hang out with, the contribution you make to your community, the relationships you have with groups, the relationships you have with your pets, how much time you get outdoors in the sun. All of those things contribute mightily to mm -hmm. your health and to your healing. And we disregard them at our peril. Doctors aren't even taught about them. They don't even know about them. Yeah. And, and this is the stuff of which functional medicine is made. I'll give you another example. We, I wrote it during the pandemic. I got really into fasting and I wrote a course about it called Metafasting and, and an introductory course, which is free, by the way, which is on my website. That kind of explains all this stuff in five simple 10 minute uh, talks. And in our Metafasting course, we spend about a third on this stuff. We talk about, we do an entire module on stress. Why? Because it matters. Because it has real physiological consequences to our digestion, to our health, to our circulation, to our brain. Sections of our brain are literally transformed and changed by stress and trauma. So if you don't talk about those things, you just talk about fasting, or you just talk about lowering cholesterol, you're missing half of the healing equation. So we put, I put that in everything I talk about. Yeah. You know, it's, um, oh man, there's so much in there. That's, that's I think just you have to have me back. Have to me. To this talk. <laughs> I think 50 more episodes. Um, but you mentioned something in there that I am working on right now with uh, a naturopath and that is the sun. <laughs> and it was a very, big dive for me to start building my solar callus and I haven't worn sunglasses in over a month um, and going out without, without sunscreen. Are any of these things, things you abide by, any information you can share with us on all of that? I'm not a hundred percent sure about never using sunscreen. I, I use it sometimes, but I, I admit that I'm, I, I am in the sun. I play tennis two hours a day minimum, at least six days a week. And we're in California and we're in the, in the sun and we play between 10 and noon. So we get, we're in the sun a lot. Um, I'll tell you an interesting story. Um, I was on Gabriella Reese's podcast and her husband is, is Laird Hamilton, the great, you know, the world's greatest surfer. And he was coming in in his wetsuit. And the guy looks, looks in his 30s. He's <laughs> just amazingly in shape and his skin, everything looks great. And Gabby says to me, you know how old he is? And I go, no, he's 57. Because he's out in the sun every day, doesn't wear sunscreen. I said, what? Says they believe, and again, this is just 
a tale, yeah. but it's an interesting one. They believe, as some people do, that if you're loaded enough with antioxidants in your diet and your supplements, and you're really, that you will fight a lot of the damaging effects of the sun and get a lot of the, the, the positive ones. I'm not recommending it. I'm saying it's probably good to put a little bit on, but I'm also not fanatic about it. I don't usually wear sunglasses when I play tennis. Uh, if you notice, neither do the pros, and they're looking right up at the sun. Uh, I, I think the sun is an enormously healing and important part of a healing regimen. So where did we take a turn? Because I'll tell you, my skin, I'm now actually getting color on my face for the first time in my life. I've been terrified to do it, but I said, you know what? What's been going on hasn't worked necessarily, although I do look very young for my age. So that is a scary thing. You look amazing. Um, but I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to trust, and I'm going to be very methodical and careful about this. So I wear a hat most of the day, but I wake up at sunrise. I'm outside for that very specific light, and I'm out there probably till about 8 a.m., 8.30. And great. I'm getting great. all of that good sun, and it's it's seemingly working out. And it's interesting to hear about Gabby's husband. My dad, who is turning 77 this year, is a beast. I mean, he's in incredible shape. He looks so young. He looks like he's maybe 60. Um, you both look super young for your age. Um, it was funny. Kelsey's like, you're going to see, he, he looks like your dad. He's in such great shape. He looks so young. <laughs> Um, Your dad's a year older than me. I'll be 76. Next yeah. Week. And my dad's never worn sunscreen in his life. The second I go at him with it, he get out of here, buddy. I don't want that stuff. And so it's a very scary thing to talk about because we've all been trained. We got to wear sunscreen. We're going to get skin cancer. We're so scared. But I see the color coming back to my lips. My lips were white and blue, maybe, if anything. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, we don't. I think there's some probably something in between a little protection in the noonday sun, probably not a bad idea, but I've yeah. never been one of those people who slathers himself in sunscreen to go out to get a, a, a quart of milk. I mean, I, I think that's very counterproductive. And I think it, it really is a perfect example of some of the things that we teach people about uh, being fearful of things that we might not have to be quite as fearful of. Saturated fat's an example. The sun's another example. Uh, I, I know we don't want to get into the COVID thing, but I can tell you that I, I could not wait to get rid of the masks. I, yeah. I would have done it from day one if I if we had been allowed to. Um, and I'm, I'm to this day not convinced they did a damn thing. But uh, well, it's crazy because we laugh in our house. So my brother was the odd man out. He's like, I'm not getting this vaccine. I'm not getting any of this stuff. He wouldn't wear a mask, wouldn't do anything. And I was like losing my mind. He's the only one who never got COVID, has no issues. I have now racked up so many health issues since getting the vaccine and getting COVID. And I'm like, this can't be a coincidence. And I've heard that the, the uptick in vascular diseases, the uptick in strokes is off the charts now. It, it's, it's a no-win discussion because whatever side you take or if you have a, a nuanced in-between position, you're going to yeah. get hate mail. Uh, 
So I, I don't I, even I, have a position. I'm just stating what I've been seeing. I got all of them for my mom and dad. Yeah. And I also have gotten a lot of stuff since. So now I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, maybe there's something to this. Um, and I did actually do some research and I saw that people are being diagnosed with diabetes after getting COVID now, um, that there's a whole uptick in diabetes as well. Um, so it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, listen, you know, we did the best we could with the information we had and same with me, I, 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 we did the same thing, but you know, the thing about that, again, to go back to the insulin resistance thing is we do have this epidemic of prediabetes and that is, that's a systemic problem. And it does make you more susceptible to, to injury from whether it be a virus or bacteria or whatever, if you're, really unhealthy at base, but it's just not being tested by too many challenges. And then all of a sudden the virus comes along. It's like you, it, it's sort of like a, 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 a house that's been built on very flimsy ground. And then a hurricane comes, it doesn't survive, but the, the house next to it does because it was built better from the beginning. And, and that's the part I think I miss in March of 2020, which is basically when we all got, when we all got pandemicized, uh, I interviewed Daniel, our friend Daniel Amen, um, during that month. And I said to him, you know, Daniel, you and I are in the same age group. Um, we're being told, you know, what, what you, we're, we're hiding under the, under the table. I see people in gas masks in the parking lot by the supermarket, like literally stay away from me. I said, well, how do you, you know, they're, they're telling us we're at real tremendous risk here. How are you feeling about it? And he said, well... He said, you know, it's a nasty virus. I don't want to get it. But my vitamin D levels are 73. I think I'll be okay. And that's my point here. It's not that it's not a bad virus. It's not that it doesn't act differently than a lot of other viruses. But nobody is talking about how to fortify ourselves. We only talk about the germ, not about the host. Mm -hmm. We are the host. If, if you're in an office, and something's going around pre-COVID, a cold, so oh, the flu's going around. Somebody gets it and they're out for two weeks. Somebody doesn't even get a symptom. Why is that? It's the same germ. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We have to, we have to fortify ourselves. Right? Nobody that. talks and about that. It's, nobody is talking about it. And it drives me crazy. The fact that we had two years of advice and not one health official even mentioned vitamin D. Yeah. Vitamin you know that 98.5% so of the people who die of COVID have in, insufficient vitamin D levels? Wouldn't you think this inexpensive pill that you can get at any Costco or any CVS that costs nothing, that has no side, wouldn't you think you'd yeah. hear it once from somebody in power well, about that? Also, I think I was reading, you can get maybe 5,000 IUs just sitting outside for a half an hour. Yeah, even less. Yeah. Yeah, your body so. <laughs> makes about 10,000 in, in the noonday sun. It makes about 10,000. So there you go. People aren't going into the noonday sun and they're not taking vitamin D, but boy, they're lined up to get every vaccine and every booster. But these basic things that fortify ourselves. Well, nobody's telling us. How I'm would we know? <laughs> How would we know unless somebody told us, which is why I love what I get to do every single day. I have to get to you, get, get information from you about energy. It is, I think, the number one like side effect issue we all have that we're all suffering with is, is a lack of energy. Yes. You have a lot of interesting um, 
ideas around energy that I want you to share with everybody? Yeah, years ago, I wrote a book about it. I wrote the 150 most effective ways to boost your energy. Um, I don't know that I'd stand by most of that, a lot of that stuff today, but it, it definitely was and is probably the biggest complaint going into doctors or nutritionists or naturopaths offices, that and back pain. Um, I hear it all the time. How can I get more energy? What can I take for more energy? That's a common one. And here's, here's, here's my, my take on energy. This is what I, I believe about energy. If you want to capture water with your hands, you can't grab it. It goes right through your fingers. What you might be able to do is create a structure in which water can appear. Like, for example, if I can you see this? If I make I kept my hands, I can probably hold, you know, a couple of ounces of water in it. But if I try to do that, I can't. Mm -hmm. Energy is like that. There's nothing you can take for energy. Sure, there are drugs. Cocaine is great for energy for a short time. I mean, the point is, uh, there's nothing you can take for. Taking something for energy is like trying to grab water. Here's what you can do. Energy is your natural birth. I don't take anything for energy. Do, do I look like I, I have an energy deficit? Definitely what you no, can no. do is create the conditions in which that energy can show up. No three-year-old has to take anything for energy. Just watch them. Just watch them. You can't stop them from, they're, they're fooled with energy. And well, I would like, say because they don't have stress and they don't have to work a shit job. <laughs> <laughs> all of that, well, those are all the conditions. It's like a goldfish bowl. You bring home the goldfish bowl, the water's clear. And then if you don't change it and you don't keep it up, it gets cloudier and cloudier because there's all this crap in it, literally, that kind of clouds it up. And that's what happens in our lives. We start with all that energy. We start with the clear water. We, and, and then stress, bad food, environmental toxins, crappy water, uh, no sun, bad relationships. And that just drains it. And then we go, what do we take for this? That's, you don't take anything for this. You get that stuff out of your life as much as possible. You create conditions in which energy can thrive. And I'll tell you where you start with sleep. Mm. When people say to me, I don't have energy, the first thing I think of is what a graduate professor told me in graduate school once. He said, if you hear hoofbeats outside your window, don't start by looking for zebras. It's probably a horse. Percentage shot, right? If you don't have energy, don't start by looking for weird connections to an allergy to asparagus. You're probably not sleeping enough. Most of us don't. And if you can, you know, I bought an aura ring a few years ago, not, a, not plugging the aura ring. I have no interest or financial connection to them, but I started monitoring my sleep accurately. And man, was that an eye opener. I thought I was getting good sleep. I thought, oh, my six hours, I'm just fine. No. And so I started looking how much REM sleep, how much deep sleep, what's the latency, what's the timing, what's my resting heart rate, what's my heart rate variable. I'm going, oh my God, my sleep's horrible. Now it's not. Now I get consistent 90s. What did you do to get it better? I started going to bed earlier, front loading my sleep that way. Uh, I, start, I, I did all the things that are recommended and that I've recommended for years to make the sleeping environment really calm. You turn off all the lights, you black off every single, you know, little blue light from whatever. You block that all out. You keep the temperature 68 to 70 degrees, 
You do not watch television a half an hour before bed or read the news. You prepare the body for relaxation and you go to bed. And it takes a while. And before you know it, you're sleeping seven, seven and a half hours. Before you know it, you're not getting up as much. All of a sudden, your deep sleep is going higher and your REM sleep is going higher. That's what I did. It was nothing magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've noticed. So I always had trouble or not always at some point in life. I had trouble sleeping. I would wake up around one or two o'clock in the morning and that would be an issue. It happened. I ended up. I started doing this pineal gland meditation at that hour really? and yeah, I would get up and I do this 90 minute pineal gland meditation. Cause my body would naturally wake up between one and four. And that's when you have the most melatonin, which is a really good time to do it. Mm-hmm. And I would find that when I'd get back into my bed, it was like my body, you know, creates that chemical similar to like volume when you're doing that meditation. And I would sleep like a baby. Now what I've been doing is I, uh, I did that for about a month. And then now I've been doing the wake up at sunrise, be outside. And then I go to bed by nine and I've definitely eaten by six. Yeah, that's me. Now I get really good, solid sleep and I have my sleep number bed and I get my sleep scores and my HRV and everything. I'm like, oh, okay. I did really well last night. I got an 84% or whatever it is. So um, monitoring it is great, but you have an aura ring. Does that monitor it for you? Yeah, that's what it is. It's all these little electrodes inside the ring that measures your body temperature, your respiratory rate, your resting heart rate, your HRV, all those things. It's, Wait, it's so problems. where do you get it? What's it called? O-U-R-A, the aura O-U-R-A. ring. O-U-R-A. Maria, I have one right. too, and I live for mine. Really? Yep, I'm obsessed with that. I have a little gold one, but it's crazy. Thanks for like, telling me. I did. They just, made, they just, came, out with a Gucci, they just made, came out with a Gucci version. Yeah, they did. It's <laughs> like it's like a thousand dollars. It's so silly. Yeah, if you want to spend seven hundred and fifty <laughs> for it to say Gucci on it, yeah. You can do oh my so, god, that's so funny. No, I'm definitely um, I'm interested in hearing more. About but you that, know, but that, we'll put a link to it in the summary. Since you brought that up, um, I. I it kind of, I'm going to tie that back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, if it's okay. Mm-hmm. So one of the metrics that Maria and I just mentioned is heart rate variability, which a lot of people have never heard of, HRV. Uh, I just did a video on this recently because it's a, a metric that's going to show up more and more on these wearables, and it's really important. And here's the thing about heart rate variability. Um, And and very briefly, if people don't know what that is, a a heart beats, let's say, like you think of a metronome 60 times a minute, except it it isn't a metronome. It's like if there's a thousand milliseconds between each beat, between the first two beats, it might be 900. The next one might be 1100, then it might be 850, then it might be 1300. So there's variability, even if it's 60 beats per minute, there's variability between beat and beat. The variability is thought to be a measure of how well you can adapt to different conditions like stress, relaxation, how much you can actually adapt to the conditions of life as opposed to being rigid and and strict. So you want a high heart rate variability. So people always ask, how do I train that? What do I do for it? Everything we're talking about, deep breathing, meditation, going outside, relaxing, getting sunlight being with people you love, petting your dog, all of those things actually stimulate the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the longest and most important nerve in the body. And by stimulating it, it stimulates our entire relaxation system, what's called the rest and digest system, the parasympathetic nervous system. And there are measurable effects on that. 
So heart rate variability is not trainable by food or exercise. It's trainable by all the things we're talking about, by training your soul, by actually building your spiritual health, building your connection to other people and to the environment you live in. So that's a really, really important part of health. And I'm glad you mentioned it because I was just made aware of an HRV recently and, and its importance. And uh, very important. Yeah. And so I wonder with that, you said the variability, which is interesting that it, even if it's 60 beats. So I have a mitral valve prolapse and oh. an extra heartbeat. So it goes oh. beep, 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 beep. Like so, but my HRV is really high. And now I wonder if it's because of that. <laughs> That's a little beyond my pay scale. I don't really yeah. know that, but it would Wait, be- you're not a cardiologist? <laughs> but it would be, interesting, it'd be interesting to talk to someone who actually, you know, did specialize in that and find out if that's related. Yeah, I my theory is since the mitral valve prolapses where it like the, the heart closes for a split second. Yeah. And then I have the extra over there, it evens out. <laughs> and so then my oh, HRV being theory. awesome is just awesome. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Listen, I'm a fake doctor. I don't know if Kelsey told you, Johnny, but <laughs> I became I became a fake doctor when my mom was diagnosed with glioblastoma. And in fact, um, I put her on berberine because my theory was that blood sugar levels being high would be bad for the cancer and would help you multiply can say cancer. that again. That's what so I thrive on. Sugar. Yeah. So I, I eliminated sugar from her diet and then realized soon after, Ooh, I should probably put some low glycemic stuff like blueberries in. So she has some glucose to the brain. So I'm kept modifying. And then I added the berberine. So that if she had anything that was raising her sugar, like a, maybe she cheated and had a carbohydrate, we could keep it low mm-hmm. level. My mom made it five years with glioblastoma. Wow, that's fantastic. That's cool. And COVID was the knockout, unfortunately. But um, but even that she beat. But you know, she was too too weak for the treatments. But mm-hmm. um, I've been a fan of berberine, and I'm surprised that doctors don't prescribe that instead of metformin, but obviously metformin is pharmaceutically backed and they probably make money off of it. Metformin, by the way, I'm not, you know, metformin, there are drugs that are life-saving and, and health expanding. And I'm not anti all drugs. I'm anti the over-marketing of it. And the fact that the drug companies basically control all the research in America and all the recommendations Um, that said, Metformin is one of the better drugs. Um, it, 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 it's, it has wonderful, it's being investigated by the National Institute of Health as an anti-aging drug. And part of the reason I think that it is an anti-aging drug is the because it lowers insulin. Yeah, it's the same thing as berberine. It lowers insulin. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that we learned a lot today that we haven't talked about on the show, which is the insulin was- resistance. So important. Um, and is. so many of these things. And I feel like we are definitely going to have to have you back for oh, I hope so. many more episodes because I have so many things here that we didn't get to so um, happy that we would that. love to. This, Maria, you're can a I great ask, interviewer. This was so much fun. Can I ask Thanks. one quick question? Yeah, of course. Johnny, I know you, you mentioned uh, oh, fish oil. I, uh, Do you want to go, Maria? No, I, I have one more after I totally <laughs> okay. forgot that I have to ask today. I love okay. I just want to know what are a few things we can do because it seems like inflammation is like an epidemic. Everyone has some sort of inflammation in their body. What are a yes. few things that we can do to just like start lowering that or like helping with inflammation? 
Well, an anti-inflammatory diet would help. And there's lots of books and articles on it. And it's basically getting rid of all the chemicals and, and, and toxins mm. in processed food. That, that would be the first step. Um, and and uh, coexistent with that, I think, I, I believe my first nutrition teacher in 1998 said this. He said, if there was one supplement I could put, if I could wave my uh, magic wand and change one thing about the health of America, I'd put every, he actually said, I'd put every pregnant woman in America on fish oil. Uh, I would extend that to say every person in America on fish oil. Is there a fish oil you like better than others? I think any high quality one, I, I'm a big fan of Barleen's. I've, I've known that company for, and I mentioned them for a couple of reasons. One is it's very good stuff, but two is it's widely available. Most of the vitamin and supplement products I use are basically available through dispensaries, through authorized dispensaries, and usually only available to doctors. Um, but Barleen's is available in health food stores. It's, it's widely available and easy so to it's get. It's really probably good for the gut then if it's anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, leaky yeah. gut is a disease of inflammation. Mm. Yeah. And leaky gut is when, when your gut wall doesn't protect your bloodstream from stuff that doesn't belong, then rogue molecules get in that don't belong there. And then the, the immune system says, what the hell is this? It mounts an attack. And guess what? That's the beginning of autoimmune disease because you've got now an immune system that's going, where are all these undigested particles coming from? They're not supposed to be in there. And some of them may be innocuous, but it gets the immune system very, very active. And sometimes it makes big mistakes. And that's, that's the connection between leaky gut and autoimmune disease. Do you have to be worried if you're anemic with fish oil since it thins the blood? I, I think that's a question best asked to your particular health practitioner and hopefully one who understands nutrition enough to know that you don't have to avoid fish oil in every case. But it's a very good question. It's a very yeah. good question. One of the other things I've been doing, <laughs> I I um, I read that building your solar callus, it's good to eat the shells of um, seafood because their exoskeleton protects them and it becomes a natural sunscreen. So I'm eating my shrimp stuff. You know what? I never heard that, but I've been doing that for years. <laughs> I eat that. Well, well, there you go. I've been doing that for years. And people say, wait, that's the shell. Yeah, I don't know. It tastes fine to me and part of the shrimp and how bad can it be? But I had no theory behind that. I just, yeah. figured, you know, why not? And, and it turns out to be true, right? Take a look. The research says it. Uh, the last thing I have to ask you about yes. celiac. Have you worked with a lot of celiac patients? I have not, but I know something about it. And, and it's another thing that I'm skeptical about the party line on it, which is that if you don't have celiac, you don't have to worry about gluten. I don't believe that. We have a, a child in our family who's extraordinarily gluten sensitive. She does not have diagnosed celiac. Um, but we've kept, she has ulcerative colitis and we've kept her off gluten for about 10 years and she hasn't had any flare-ups. So I, I do think that gluten sensitivity is a real thing and uh, it, it doesn't have to progress all the way to celiac for it to be an issue. Interesting, okay. Um, I, do, I, do, I do know a couple, I know a pharmacist, um, a very well-trained nutritionist who has celiac and it was very eye-opening to hear her talk about it, just to check the ingredients in like the ketchup 
that they put on, you know, like every single thing, because even the slightest exposure will trigger an outbreak and it's it's horrible. So I, I know that not everybody has that, but I think of it kind of like high blood pressure. We diagnose high blood pressure at, at the point that it reaches 140 over 90. But what about 139 over 88? I mean, is that nothing to work? So if, if these things happen on a continuum, the point at which we diagnose isn't necessarily a black and white distinction. It's a gray line, like, you know, day and night and there's dusk. So I, I think we have to be careful of just saying, if it's not reaching diagnosable, um, uh, the diagnosable numbers, it's not a problem. Yeah, well, that's like the the unfun part about the traditional medical system where they get a little weak because it's like, oh yeah, we found all this stuff. We'll just check in two years. And I'm like, wait, so you're waiting for it to become cancer. Is that what we're doing here? Cause that's what it sounds like yeah. to me. Um, yeah. So anyhow um, we would love to get that nutritionist information. If you think she's great, cause we're really wanting to do a whole thing on, on celiac here for people who are suffering with celiac. Sure. Um, Johnny, you are amazing. We're so grateful to have you on today. We'll put uh, so Johnny's fun. website, his Instagram, everything in the summary of this episode. If you want to find out more about him and stalk him to get him to work with you, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he does not take patience unless you stalk him. <laughs> <Pay> him <a> <laughs> <lot>. <laughs> um, but you know what? We but, should get him on for a heel event for our special Patreon members. That would be fun. Would I, be I don't fun. even know what it is, but I want But it. you're in. Yay. <laughs> the Heal Squad thanks you. Johnny, I you have a great you. day. This was so, such a pleasure. And we Thank learned you so much. so much. Thank you so much, both of you. I really appreciate being on. Uh, that was amazing. I love Johnny. So fun. I love it so much because you're so knowledgeable too. So you can like get in there with like the good questions and kind of go back and forth. And I really really, really love it. You're like, wait, Thanks, but Queen. you, but you said this. So that kind of contradicts this. I'm like, get it, Maria. I, I really <laughs> love it though. I really, cause we learned so much more. It's so well, cool. Here's the thing. I have to ask the questions you guys are all thinking. And if I don't, then I failed you. Yeah. So it's not about hurting anybody or, or making someone look bad. I have to keep asking the questions to give them the opportunity to explain themselves because also Sometimes I'll say something that maybe I contradicted myself or maybe I didn't make sense totally. If you don't give me the chance to be like, no, 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 I didn't mean it like that. I meant it like this or whatever, um, or to get to the bottom of it. So thank you. I, um, I very much enjoy what I do. It was fun. I I feel like I learned so much, so much too, you know, Dr. Mark Hyman was talking about insulin resistance a lot lately on his Instagram and I found it really interesting. So it was great to have somebody explain it in detail, yes. uh, like he did. And, um, and the statins was fascinating. There's so much, fascinating. um, I have to tell that you I too, feel like we learned from this. Do you remember when I first got my blood work before I like got the SIBO diagnosis and they told me that my, uh, my LDL was incredibly high. Do you remember mm. that? And it was like, the, my just normal primary doctor was like, oh, we'll cut out your red meat. And at the time I was a vegetarian and I was like, well, I'm not eating any red meat. So <laughs> it was very interesting to hear him talk about it. Cause I ended up going to my naturopath who was like, kind of said what he was saying. She was like, you're fine. It's not like an indication of X, Y, and Z, but it's fascinating. Like two highly, highly trained people giving me completely different answers 
to no, what that's it's why this wild. is so hard and this is why we have to be the ceo of our own health and we have to keep on digging and it's a lot of work and like you said we could be doing all the right things but the environmental factors and certain things that we just are not good at yet like handling stress is is going to hurt us so i'm actually going to look at my naturopath's blood work to see what mine was at, because I think something happened with my LDL and it went high as well, oh, or HDL. I can't remember, but, um, I know she did the extensive panels and now I'm going to go look if my ship is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about the cargo. I just care about the ship just people, the ship. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's really fascinating. I mean, this is why I love what we do. I love learning every day and I love, you know, listen, it can be also overwhelming if you let it, but just take the information in and then start to like, think about what you want to apply. What is it that you want to work on? Um, you know, maybe you want to talk to your naturopath about adding berberine into your life or the fish oil or something. I mean, fish oil sounded great to me. I'm like, well, if it thins the blood, I'm already anemic. That might be tough. So you know, I'll have to ask my naturopath about that. You'll have to ask her and I will send you a picture of the one that actually Dr. Amen put me on because it's a liquid and a, it absorbs better. Mm. And sometimes like I was having a hard time breaking down the capsules just the way that my, my gut is, my pancreas and everything. And so he gave me a liquid one. So I'll send you a picture that you should show your naturopath. Can I ask a slightly personal question? Of course you can. <laughs> Did you know that your body wasn't breaking down because you saw it somewhere? No, I, I knew it because <laughs> I was actually like getting acid reflux and burping the fish oil. Oh. So it was like my body wasn't properly digesting it. Fascinating. Cause I asked my, I was like, why do I keep burping fish oil? And she was like, Oh, well you aren't breaking it down properly. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Fun fact. Oh, see, I was going one way with it. You went another. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being with us as always. If you're new to the show, this is what we do here every single day. Uh, if you haven't already, check out mariamenunos.com. We keep adding fresh things to the website that um, I love. All of my favorites in every category. Whenever I find something that I'm obsessed with that's helping me in my life or that I'm really loving fashion-wise or skincare-wise, we add it on there. So take a look at that. Um, we also, by the way, have um, our macy's.com backslash better together page. Uh, if you don't already know, Macy's is a big supporter of the show. They are uh, so supportive of everything that we do here. And we're really grateful that they see us and they're with us on this journey. And, you know, it's cool that I worked for them for so many years back in the day. And here we are together working side by side. But I have all of my favorite picks um, on Macy's site at macy's.com backslash better together. Take a little look, see if something grabs your eye. Uh, I think you're going to really love a lot of the stuff that's on sale right now. I'm not going to lie. There are a lot of really great fashion designers that I've discovered on there and um, am really enjoying my purchases, my sarong and all of my fun summer things that I got there. So take a look when you have a chance. Uh, anything you purchase through the landing page, whether it's my picks or something you search on there on your own, um, does get uh, attributed back to us. So we're really grateful for that. In the meantime, be nice people make good choices and be present.
Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.